turn to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 8, and then I'm going to pick up reading in verse 31, and we're going to go through verse 47. John 8, 31 through verse 47. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. They said to him, we are not born of sexual morality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, the word of truth this morning. God, I thank you that you have shown us truth. God, in a world full of lies, God, it is so refreshing this morning to know that every word that comes from you is truth, that you You've told us how things really are, how we are, who you are, what is to come. Father, help us to depend upon and believe and obey your truth today. Father, please speak to our hearts. Please bring our attention clearly to the word of God. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Jesus tells them with, without him, without his intervention, without them believing him, that they are slaves to sin. Okay, now they, they don't like that at all. They don't buy that. Uh, it's kind of funny, I, I think, um, you know, they say uh, we've not been, we're, we're the Jewish people anyway. Uh, they said we've never been a slave to anybody. I, I don't know where in the world they got that. 
at, at the time they were speaking that, they were occupied by the Romans, you know. Uh, when, when God brings uh, the nation of Israel kind of to birth out, out from Egypt, they were slaves in Egypt. Uh, because of their idolatry, they were taken captive by Babylon, uh, the northern kingdom by Assyria. So I, anyway, I, I don't know where in the world they got that we've never been slaves to anybody. Uh, but but let's, let's, for our sake today, let's just talk about us. So Jesus is obviously speaking of us as well, that apart from Christ, you are a slave to sin. I, I think a lot of people are going to argue with that. I think a lot of people are going and say, not, I'm absolutely not a slave to sin. And I, I think my response would be, then quit, you know? Like, like if, if you're not a slave, if you're not bound, if you're not shackled to your own sin, then just stop, you know? Like, stop sinning. Like, like never again from this point on, never again lose your temper. Never again be selfish. Never again be petty. Never again offer a catty remark that, that's hurtful to somebody. Ne- you know, stop coveting. Stop lusting. Stop wanting things you shouldn't want. Stop making an idol out of things in the world. Never again use your words to hurt anybody else. Like, never do it again. If you're not a slave to it, then just stop doing it. Well, obviously, people are slaves of sin. And, and the worst kind of slavery is probably the kind that you don't realize you're in, right? Uh, like, it's one thing to be a slave of somebody or something and be resisting and fighting against that. It's another to kind of think that you're fine and not even realize that you're in bondage to sin. Now, now, sin is not just the bad or wrong things that we do. Sin is an internal brokenness, an inability to see the glory of Christ and to turn to the truth of God and, and to live a life that, you're, that you were created to live, to live a life that's flourishing, to, to grow and to love and to give and to bless. Like, like sin is the brokenness that would keep us. It's the barrier that would not let us get to that life. And, and so in a real way, we, we're stuck, or, or those without Christ anyway, are stuck in sin. Stuck in being overcome by sin. 2 Peter 2.19 says, by what a man is overcome, he is enslaved. According to Ephesians 4.22, this is a great verse, it, it talks about how we are bound to our deceitful desires. These wrong desires that we're, we're shackled to that would keep us from even seeking the goodness and glory and, and truth and way of God. And, and so what Jesus says here this morning is true. We are slaves of sin. Sin has tied us to the railroad tracks of, of God's judgment. The train whistle of judgment is blowing in the distance, and we are not able to free ourselves. Now, I, th- I think what some people are going to point out is, well, hold on. How is a believer any different than that, right? Because, you know, if we, if we kind of run through that same scenario, well, can believers just stop sinning, you know, forever and, you know, be perfect from now on? Um, I, I don't think we, we, we don't believe that. First um, John 1 says, you know, we still sin. But, but here's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. Here's the difference between a believer who is freed from sin by Jesus and, and an unbeliever who is still shackled, shackled to their sin is that a, an unbeliever is a slave of sin in the sense that they cannot go any other way. Um, 1 John 
3 actually covers this. So the same guy that wrote the Gospel of John wrote 1 John. And in 1 John chapter 3, uh, there's this great little section here uh, about just that. 1 John 3, 6 says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. That keeps on sinning is this habitual life of sin without repentance. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice, that's very... Very, very intentional language there. Makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. And the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Okay, now I, I think that's that's a beautiful little explanation of the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. The Christian still struggles with sin, but but the power of sin has been broken in his or her life, and that is characterized by a life of continual repentance, by a life of continually turning away from sin, and a life of increasing in, in, in righteousness, in fruitfulness, in, in, in fruit by the power of the Holy Spirit. So kind of think of it this way, all right? So before Christ, before you, if you're born again here this morning, before you were born again, you're just in a boat, just floating in the stream of sin, headed toward hell and judgment, right? Now, granted, not, not everybody floats the same, right? There, there's some people that are right in the middle of that channel, and they are they are rowing as hard as they can straight for hell, right? Like they've just given themselves to unabandoned sin. True, okay? Other people uh, are still lost. They're still headed toward hell, but they're over in the shallows. And maybe their oars are out of the water and, and they're priding themselves in not being near as bad as the people, you know, shooting past them in the middle, okay? But they're, they're still floating toward hell, right? Now the believer is the person who's turned the boat around, Right? They, they've, they've seen the glory of Christ, they've heard the call of Christ, and they have repented, okay? They've, they've stuck the oars in the water, and they've turned that boat around, and, and they believe Christ, they're looking at Christ, and they begin rowing against the current, right? They begin believing the Word of God, they begin obeying the, the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and they begin to, to row upstream toward Christ, right? Now, do believers at times get weary? Do they get distracted? Do they get lazy? Do they fall into sin? Do they take the oars out of the water and fall back in the boat and begin to drift backward again? They do. They do. But what, what did John clearly say is the mark of a believer? They, they will repent, right? They won't just keep floating towards sin. They'll get the oars back in the water and they'll, they'll repent of their, their distraction or weariness or whatever it was and they'll begin to row again, right? They'll begin to progress in the Christian life. And so in that way is mankind a slave to sin, shackled to sin, chained to the execution chair of sin that will ultimately bring judgment, all right? Now, in, in this passage, the, the, the Jewish people are arguing uh, with Jesus about that, and, and they're making several claims. The first claim is they're, they're religious people, right? Or they're, they, have a, they have a legacy of faith. We're children of Abraham. That was one of the first arguments they made. You know, we're children of Abraham. And, and, and you know, Jesus is like, well, if you were children of Abraham, you'd act like Abraham, you know? You'd do the works that Abraham did. What, what, what was Abraham's work? Do you remember that? It was believing, right? 
Well, Romans 4 tells us that. What, what did Abraham do? He believed God. So Jesus is saying, if you were Abraham's children, you, you'd believe me. You'd believe the truth. They, 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 they were claiming the, uh, um, the merit of, of the high moral ground. Man, this is so popular today. Uh, do, you, do you see what they do, the little, little thing they do in verse, uh, where's that at? Um, was it 41? You're doing the works of your father. The works your father did. They said to him, we were, we were not born of sexual morality. We have one father you've got. What's that about? Well, they're, they're accusing Jesus of, of being born of sexual morality. You, you guys know the story of Jesus, right? He was born of a virgin. He was born of Mary, uh, immaculately conceived by, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and so they're accusing him of being born. What, what are they doing? They're taking the moral ground. Well, we're, we're the moral ones, right? Um, man, people are doing that all over, all over our country. They're, no matter what their life is, what are they saying? Well, we're the righteous ones, right? Like we're the moral ones. Hey, Jesus says, no, no, you're a slave of sin. And, and point number two this morning is, is that your slavery, the slavery to sin is, is based on lies. I, I, this is what drew me to this passage. There was a lot of stuff I could have picked here in, in John 8. Again, we're trying to move more quickly and not, not get bogged down with, with, with every detail in, in the Gospel of John. We'll be here forever. And so we're just trying to make a quick path through John. And, and, and the thing that really drew me to this passage is this, this explanation of, of how the, the slavery of sin is based in lies. Okay, so uh, pick it up in verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You have your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. There's this beautiful contrast in this passage between Jesus and the truth, okay? You know, you shall know the truth. The truth will set you free, okay? If you're following Jesus, then, then you're, you're a child of God and, and, and you're joined to the truth. But, but if you're not, then, then you're, you're bound up in lies, and I've often said from the pulpit, I think it's a really helpful thing. Whatever sin you're dealing with, what, what, you, what you need to do, a really helpful thing to do, is trace that back to what lie are you believing? Man, I, that is super helpful for me. Like if you're struggling with pride, if you're struggling with anger, if you're struggling with vengeance, if you're struggling with lust, if you're struggling with greed, if you're struggling with discontent, with grumbling. Okay, there, there, there is some lie, like all sin proceeds out of a lie. Like that, that, that's, what, that's what binds us to sin is these lies of, of the devil. And, and, of course, Jesus traces it back to the, to the tempter, to the, the devil, to Satan. Uh, he talks about he's a liar. He's a liar from the beginning. Uh, if you remember the very, the very first sin, how did it come about? It was a lie, right? Uh, Satan appeared to Adam and Eve, or to Eve, and, and tempted her. And she's like, well, you know, we, we can eat of all the trees. But we can't eat of this one tree. You know, if we eat of it, we'll die. What, what did he say? You won't die. Like, he directly contradicted God. Like, God says, here is the reality. You know, with me, you'll have life. If, if, you, if you turn away from me, you will die. And Satan's like, no, that's not true. Let me tell you what is true. You won't die. I mean, all sin kind of comes back to that. It comes back to these lies. In Revelation 12, verse 9, it describes Satan in this way. It says, and the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who's called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. 
the deceiver of the whole world. You know, what that tells me is that Satan's strategy, not just for Adam and Eve, but his strategy globally, his global strategy is based in lies. Like this web of intricate, detailed lies that, that covers the globe that, that is enslaving people into sin. And that's supported in the scriptures. Let, let me show you several places. So, for instance, Ephesians 4, 17 describes a person before Christ. And, and it says in verse 17, This I say and testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart, they become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, practice every evil impurity. This is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Okay, so what, what, what's, what's the struggle of the person without Christ? Man, their mind and heart are darkened by these lies because they don't have the truth of Jesus. In Ephesians, if you go back a page, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you, here's another description of, of mankind without Christ. And you were dead in the trespasses of your sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest kind. We're following Satan, the father of lies. I, I just don't think most people would think of themselves that way. I know I didn't. I didn't think, well, I'm following Satan. Well, if you're not following Jesus, then you are. Like, like it, 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 whatever deception is there, you're, you're, you're following a lie and not the truth. The Bible says that this is his strategy. His strategy is lies. And his strategy is to keep you from the truth. You remember the, you remember the parable of the soils? The parable of the soils, you know, the, the word of God goes out. And, and what, 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 what's the first soil? The first soil is a hard-packed soil. And what does it say? It says that Satan, Satan takes the seed of truth away. He, he, he keeps you from even, from even thinking that, that, that the word of God is, is important, that it's interesting, that it's compelling, that it's attractive. He, he removes all the way, that all the way, and he steals the seed away from the heart. Folks, lies are the devil's strategy to destroy you. Satan will give you, he'll give you justifications for your sin. He'll distort the value of sin and he'll diminish the value of righteousness. Man, that, that's, that's an incredibly common thing he does is, is he lies about the value of sin. He, he, give, he gives you temptation to sin and says, oh man, this is gonna be incredible. And, and the consequences are gonna be incredibly small. Okay, which, which is a lie. Here's an example. In Proverbs 7, when Solomon's teaching his son about adultery, he says, man, here, here's, here's what you're going to be tempted with. And, and then he gives this example of this, this woman who would tempt him. And, and, and he says in verse 16 of chapter 7, uh, here's the woman speaking to, to the, the man. I've spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth mouth, she compels him, and he follows her. So, I mean, what, what, what's happening there? It's just, here's sin, and oh, it's incredible. It is incredible. Like we're gonna, we're gonna have our fill of love, right? And, and the consequences, the danger, oh, it's incredibly small. 
My husband is gone. He took a big bag of money. He's going to be gone for a long time. He won't be back to the next fort, right? right? So it's, it's a maximizing of the supposed pleasures of sin and a minimizing of the consequences. Tell me that is not still his strategy today. I see, that's exactly the way the devil works. And there's something in us, some brokenness in us, that is drawn to that. See, those two things work together, okay? The, the, the lies of the devil and the internal brokenness, well, it's what the Bible calls our original sin, those things, man, they, they work together. Like there's something in us that is drawn to lies. Uh, it's, it's what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 4.22 when he talked about we're drawn to our deceitful desires, like our, our, our brokenness that keeps us from seeing the glory of God is drawn to the lies of the devil. All right, so we're slaves of sin. That slavery is rooted in the lies of the devil, okay? Now here's point number three. The truth about Jesus will set you free. All right, so go back to our text. So in our text, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews who believed, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What sets you free? The truth does, okay? Now, now let, let's just pause right there. I, I don't know that you've always had to do this, but in our day, you definitely have to do this. Guys, there is such a thing as truth, okay? There is, there is truth. Truth meaning there's one reality about things, Okay? There's not a whole bunch of realities. There's not a buffet, and you just pick what you want, and you make truth whatever you want it to be. That is not, that's not, that's not true. Okay, there's one reality about our existence, about our purpose, about what is right and what is wrong and what is righteous and what is unholy, and about, about what will bring flourishing and what will bring eternal life. And then there's sin, which is unbelief in those things. Okay, that makes you opposed to God and puts you under his eternal wrath. There is one truth about how to live, love, and believe. Only one truth. You don't get to make your own truths. Like, I'm sorry somebody has told you that. I'm sorry that television tells you that all the time. I'm sorry that uh, social media tells I, I, I'm sorry for that. But please hear this. You don't get to make your own truth, okay? I, I, I don't get to say, hey, guys, I'm... I'm six foot nine. Did you know that? And I weigh, I'm six foot nine, 150 pounds. You know, aren't I slim, you know? And you're looking at me there. I don't think you are. I'm like, hey, it's my truth, you know? I'm, I'm just redefined. Like, my truth is I'm this, okay? That, you don't get to do that. You're laughing. It, it, it is happening all over our country. People just make their own truth, which is the, the dumbest thing ever. Like, you can't make your own truth. I can't say, well, you know, my foot is seven inches. David, does that work in construction? If everybody just makes it, hey, would you go cut this board? It needs to be seven foot three. Somebody comes back with a, you know, two foot board, and they're like, this one's seven three, and my truth, you know, it, it'll work. Put it in there. No, it won't work. The house will fall down. You, you, don't, you, you don't just get to make your own truth. There are things that, are reliable. You see, see, truth is what is reliable. A lie is, is when you base your life on something that will let you down, something that's not depend dependable, something that is wrong. It won't hold you up. And salvation comes when we believe the truth of the gospel. The Christian life comes when we, when we embrace the truth of the scriptures. 
And Jesus says, you will know the truth. He is the one who defines things. Jesus is the one who tells you what's real, what's valuable, what's right. I don't want to belabor this, but, but like this is the battle of our day. Um, in our day, literally everything is up for grabs. No, nothing, nothing is sacred at all. So, so take this, murder is wrong. You would think that that would not be a disputable, you know, thing, right? You would think, hey, to, to take someone's life out of anger, selfishness, personal gain, convenience, that is wrong. But today in our country, to murder a baby in the womb is not only okay, it is actually virtuous. Emma was playing a little clip from me from a, 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 I think it was a CNN writer. There were several on there, but one of them was a, a news correspondent. I believe he worked for CNN. And he was lamenting this, this Texas verdict um, that came down where uh, the new Texas law that if the baby, if the, the child has a heartbeat that you can't, you can't kill the baby. And, and, and they were lamenting. Like one of the things he was crying out that now there were going to be more Down syndrome babies that were going to make it into the world. And, he, and I just couldn't believe that he was saying that out loud. Like, you're crying out in disgust and in abhorrence that there's going to... I mean, I, I have a lot of things I want to say about that, but just this reality that that you would take the most vulnerable of our society and actually the, the, the most beautiful and blessed in many ways, and you would say, oh, it is an outrage that we're letting more of these live. And then everybody, like, like literally, the, much of our countries, like my friends, there is blindness there. Like, like if, if you don't believe in a devil, in demons who have, who have woven these intricate lies into our society, man, I, 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 that's exhibit A in my mind. You know, the reality that we live in a day when the definition of a man is up for grabs. The definition of a woman, that's up for grabs. Like, you, like literally people are, make, middle school kids are making it what they want it to be. Like we've taken biology and science and just thrown them out and we've said, okay, you know, it's you define, you make your truth for you. I have this theory about the devil. I, I, he's insatiable. Like he's never content. There's never enough misery, never enough carnage, never enough suffering. He always wants more. And that, that's why, like, I, there's no end to these lies. They just keep pushing harder and further into our culture because he wants to bring more misery and more suffering, and he's not going to stop. The more he can distort and twist and falsify the most basic and important elements of our lives and our families, the more damage he can do. And I, I, just, I believe he's all about the damage. Like, he's all about the misery. We're going to come to a verse here in the Gospel of John coming up here in a couple of chapters. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. All right, so next point. So freedom comes from being a willing, joyful slave to Jesus. Okay, now I'm I'm jumping into Romans here, and and we probably don't have time to to look at a lot of that. But I'm jumping into Romans 6. All right, but but here's here's what here's what Paul says in Romans six. He says you're either going to be a slave to sin and judgment, or you're going to be a slave to Jesus and righteousness. All right, you're, but you're going to be a slave of one thing. Okay, now do you notice the option that's not there? It's the option everybody wants. No, I I just I, I'm free. I I want to I, I can just do whatever I want. I'm I'm the master of my own life. No, you're not. You're just not. That, that's another way of saying I'm a slave to sin, right? Freedom does not mean you direct your life and make all your decisions. Jesus is not saying you should, you'll know the truth and your eyes will be open and then you just can direct your life and, 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 and of your own will make all your decisions and, and you, you follow you. No, that, that's a slave to sin. Example, is the meth addict free? So, so, Take someone who's addicted to methamphetamines, which is a horrible, horrible thing. Please pray. Okay, but you take that person and, and, and the, you get the police, just leave them alone. Just, hey, you let them be them. You let them do whatever they want. You get their family just to leave them alone. You get their neighbors just to leave them alone. And you just say, you know what? You know, you get to just be whatever you want, whoever you want. You make all your decisions. No one's gonna coerce you in any way. Are they free? right into their coffin. No, they're not free. They're they're bound to this cruel master that will take literally everything from them and leave them in the grave. Friends, that's not freedom. So, So what's freedom? If freedom isn't, I get to do what my flesh wants to do, okay? If that's not freedom, then what is freedom? Well, I would say freedom is this. Freedom is when there's no hindrances, no restraints, and nothing keeping you from pursuing the highest degree of flourishing in your life. Did you hear that? Freedom is when there's nothing keeping you from pursuing the greatest life. Okay, now, let's back up. What is the greatest life? Yes. John 1, 4. It's where we started this Gospel of John, right? In him is life. In Jesus is life. John's going to tell us that a hundred different ways in this gospel. Right? And, and so if, if Jesus is life, from him flows all life, then what is freedom? Well, freedom is when I'm stuck to him, right? Freedom is, is when I, I, I'm listening to him. Freedom is when I believe him. Freedom is when I'm following him. Freedom is when I'm pursuing him. Then there's no restrictions, no restraints. There's power that enables me to live the life that will bring me life. So true freedom is the ability and the desire, the desire. Those of you in this room and you have a desire for Jesus, that's freedom. Like God has done that in you. Right? That, that, is, that is freedom. Right? So true freedom is that ability and the desire to hear from Jesus and to believe what he says and to follow him. 
It's freedom from depending on falsehood. It's freedom from living your life, counting on things that will let you down. It's freedom from the wrath and judgment brought about by sin. It's freedom from eternal death. It's freedom from worshiping things that are not worthy of worship. And, and, And he said, by the truth, you'll be set free. See, truth will expose the lies that will destroy you. Truth will spotlight the things in your life that are keeping you from God, keeping you from life. Look at verse 31. Let's, let's go back there. We're really just kind of hanging out there. 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Do you, do you see that? Truly my disciples. What? If you put this in the context, you got to back up to verse um, 30. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Okay, now, what, what have we seen already in the gospel of John? There's lots of people that say they believe in Jesus, but they don't really believe in Jesus. Remember, that was what chapter six was all about, right? Like Jesus feeds the multitude, and all of a sudden the next day, they're all there saying, oh yeah, you're the man. When is lunch, by the way, right? Like, and Jesus says, me, you, you don't follow me because you believe. You follow me because you got fed. You know, you, you're not really, and then he, he goes in that hard sermon about, you gotta eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they're all like, yeah, we're out. All right, and so he's giving another test here, okay? So verse 30, many said they believed, and verse 31 is like, okay, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. In other words, he's giving them a test here. He's giving you and I a test. How do I know, how do you know that we're truly a disciple? 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Okay? Test yourself. First John 2, 19. It says, they went out from us, but they weren't really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they're not all of us. John says, not, not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. And it's going to be shown by the fact that many will leave. Many will depart. So what, what is the test that Jesus is giving here? He says, if you abide. Great word that he's going to use a whole bunch. Chapter 15 is going to be all about that word. Okay. If you abide, if you are at home, if you reside, if you dwell, if you stay, those will all be ways to translate that. If you stay in my word, if you dwell in it, if you abide in it, if you stick in my word. In other words, if you're continually listening to and believing and obeying, you hear that? Obeying, following my word, then you're truly my disciple. Okay, the word... The guy who is continually built up in the word. The guy who is continually a doer of the word, a follower, a, 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 a believer, a obeyer of the word. They stay put in the truth. That's a true disciple. All right, now I want to ask you a hard question. Why are you not in your Bible more? I'm taking one thing off the table. I'm too busy. It's wore out, guys. It doesn't mean anything. No, no. I, I, I mean, maybe for, I, no, it doesn't mean anything for anybody. We all, we all, we all get to choose what we do. We're, we're doing what we want to do, right? Well, I got 10 ball games a week. Yeah, because you signed up for it. Do you have to live that way? No. Most of the world does not. Him and I were in Belize, which is not really a third world country, maybe on the fringe of it, but we were driving into the rainforest in this taxi and I was looking around, I told him, I said, man, it just strikes me. Everywhere else I go in the world, we're the different ones. Like, like, 
like looking out my taxi window in, into the, 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 just the people that live in Belize, they live essentially like the people in Guatemala and like the people in Honduras and like the people in Colombia and like the people in Venezuela and like the people in Brazil and like the people in, in Chile and like the people in India and like the people in Thailand and like, the, like everywhere else. There, there's a little slice, not even very many of us, 330 million in, in America, and then there's another, I don't know, four or 500 million in, in Western Europe that live the way we do, and then 7 billion plus people live another way. So we're not too busy. So back to the question. Why don't you read the Bible more? Why don't you meditate on the scriptures more? Again, take, I, I can't answer this. I, I mean, I'm gonna answer it for me. Take, you, take too busy off the plate. That's not, that's not true, okay? So Jesus clearly says here, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. He says, if you abide in my word, if you stay, stick in it, you're truly my disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So why aren't you in the scriptures more? Like I, we either need to leave here today saying, oh my goodness, why am I wasting time looking at Emma's vacation pictures? Why aren't I reading 1 John? We either need to come out of here with that or come out with a better excuse. I don't know what that one would be. I'm just leaving that on the table. Like maybe you got a good one. Why aren't you in your Bible? I, I think if, if it's, hey, I don't understand what I read. All right, there, there are people in this church that will help you. I'm at McDonald's or somewhere, Brahms somewhere almost every morning, reading through the scriptures early in the morning with guys. We read it together. We talk about what it says. Get into that, right? Just join somebody. Um, there's online groups. There's this thing that everybody, I haven't, I haven't done it yet, but everybody says it's awesome, the Bible Recap. I guess is it gives you a passage of scripture to read online and then it, it gives you an explanation for it. And from what I heard, Terry Lee Cobble's good gal and on target. So there you go. Soaps, right? Read a passage. You write out a scripture verse. You write out your O observation. You write out your A application. You write out a prayer about what you just read. And then you write out who you're going to share that with. There's lots of different tools, but I think you gotta answer the question, why, if this is how important the truth is, why am I not in the scriptures more? And what I'm afraid of is I'm afraid, I'm afraid of the drift. There's this passage in Hebrews that's really compelling to me. Talks about how God has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. That's chapter one of Hebrews. God has spoken to us through his son, okay? And then in chapter two, verse one, it opens up this way. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. I think it's really intentional language, lest we drift away from it. Em and I were out on the reef last, um, I think it was last Sunday, actually. And um, we were exploring a little different section of the reef. We were in about 20 to 30 foot of water. 
and I had, I had brought a paddleboard, one of those great big paddleboards out, and I had strapped my, my dry bag onto it that had my phone and some water and, and all the, our other gear we had strapped onto it. And that enabled us just to, to swim and, and, and look at the reef and explore. And then when we get tired, we just got up on the board. And so we were in one of those got tired phases and we got up on the board and we were just talking and we were talking about what we'd seen and we were talking about this big sailboat that was anchored out in, in, uh, off the island about a mile and we were just visiting and just enjoying and just visiting and, and all of a sudden I, I turned around and I was like, oh, him, you know, and we had drifted out into the ocean, you know, away from the island and the current was taking us out, you know, and I just didn't realize it. Like, like we were just visiting, and, and, but the whole time we were visiting, we were not pedaling in the right direction, and so we drifted. And so I took the oar, and I started paddling, and, and actually, we, we couldn't make it back that way. Um, I, the board was too heavy, and it was too much in the water, and so Emma got out, and she swam um, beside the board, and, and I finally, that was enough for me to get us back into the kind of uh, non-current part of the island where we, we would be there. I just wonder if it's the same way spiritually. And you're just paying attention to everything else, not even bad things, and you just drift. Before you realize it, you're not where you're supposed to be. And it's going to take some effort to get back. But you need to get back. The world is bombarded by lies. You can't get out of that. Sorry. I wish we could create a little Lincoln bubble and uh, we all, but there, you just can't. Sorry. We just can't. We're, we're in it, okay? We're bombarded by lies and we have this natural inclination in us to believe lies. Okay? The answer to that is Jesus and his truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so as God's people, we need to be people of the truth. We need to know the scriptures. I would like to, for you to make a commitment to the scriptures. I was talking to our partners in North Africa. They've started something new, a little new strategy. Uh, the national, uh, nationals there in country. And uh, when people begin to show interest in the gospel uh, and, and begin to move toward Christ, they're like, hey, would you just... Would you commit to reading the whole Bible with us? Let's just get it read. And they're talking about, let's get it read and we'll read it together in about a month and a half. And what they do is every night after the kids go to bed, like nine o'clock or so, they get on a Zoom call and they just begin reading the scriptures together. And they read for about an hour, hour and a half. And when people have questions, they, they ask questions and the people try to, you know, just everybody best they can try to answer what is the Bible saying. But I'm just picturing these these Muslims in North Africa who are reading the Bible together. They're not, they're not even sold on Christ yet, or they're brand new believers, and they're reading the scripture for an hour and a half a night together with other people. It just kind of makes me wonder, what are we doing for an hour and a half a night? You shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. Father in heaven, Thank you for your truth, God. Thank you that you have shown us, God, that, um, that you are truth. And God, we, 
We want to know who you are, God. We want to immerse our minds in your character and in your faithfulness and in your glorious deeds and in your truths and your promises. God, we want to know what you say about us and, and our identity. God, we, we want that truth to saturate our minds. And so, Father, please, God, enable us to know the truth. Enable us to saturate our minds in truth. And God, for those here this morning that maybe are still, they're still slaves. They're still in bondage to sin. They can't turn the boat around. They, they, can't, they can't paddle toward you even. And God, I pray that you'd open their eyes this morning, Lord Jesus, to see that, that you died for their sin, that you lived a righteous life that you're willing to give to them, and that you rose from the dead, and that they can be tied to that resurrection. God, show them that this morning. And draw them into salvation. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.